0: I just broke a nail in anticipation. <laughs> your mom writes books!
1: <laughs> yeah, listen.
0: This is your mom writes
1: books. I'm Caitlin McFarland.
0: I'm Charlie and Holmberg.
1: And we are here to chat with you.
0: And we're best friends!
1: Oh, also. (laughs) Yeah, so we're here to chat with you about how to write books. And today we're going to talk about critique partners. Because this is a question that I get all the time. And I think it's something that people who are kind of just getting into writing are a little confused about. Like, where to find critique partners and what critique partners do and I know a lot of more experienced writers who are confused about critique partner etiquette. So
0: yes, I actually taught. It. Did I tell you I taught a class on that once? You did for the for the League of Utah Writers. It was like when the branch that I used to go to <laughs> was first established. I had to teach people like this is the the etiquette because some people are really weird. Also, just you know, out of, out of curiosity, Caitlin, who's your um who's your favorite critique partner? um don't you say trisha i'll oh, come over there
1: <laughs> i mean of course it's you charlie <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you. you're my second favorite <laughs> <laughs> oh, this
1: podcast is over
0: over listen rachel Malpe just says a lot of really nice things about me
1: <laughs> yes uh mickey did just send me an email with a lot of really nice stuff in it our friend mickey helmer and so she is currently my favorite
0: no. also trisha Nito.
1: oh I mean you, Charlie. Okay,
0: listen, I'm going to critique your podcasting this entire episode. (laughs) Oh, oh no. All right, so where do we start? Like, where do you start with a critique partner?
1: Well, let's talk about what... What?
0: Should we talk about getting them?
1: Let's talk about what they do first, and then...
0: They critique. Next. Oh, my gosh.
1: Let's talk about what a critique partner is supposed to do for you, and then we're going to talk about where you can... Find them. Where are they hiding? They hide in your closet. I hope not. Critique partners are people who help you improve your writing, but they are not editors. This is this is kind of the reason I wanted to talk about this also, because a lot of new writers think, oh, I just write a book. It's a lonesome endeavor, and then I hire an editor, and they just fix my grammar, and then I publish it, and it's a book. False.
0: Wrong.
1: Which we've covered. We've kind of covered that before, but one reason that. You do not wanna you don't don't waste your money hiring an editor if no one else has ever read your book, or if only your mom has read your book, or your sister, or your best friend, or whoever. You need other writers to read your book because other writers are the people who know what they're doing on a level that can actually help you improve. So yeah, critique partner or critique group. We're gonna be talking about I think we talked about both. Critique partner is when you only have one person or if you have a few people and you send each other stuff, but you don't necessarily meet together. A critique group is this wonderful invention where a group of writers get together and they read each other's work and they eat snacks.
0: Yes, in my opinion, I think a writing group generally is better for newer writers and that solo critique partners are better for more experienced writers. Generally in a writing group from all the writing groups I've been in, there's usually like a word count limit, like 2000 words. You meet maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. And in that week, you're supposed to read everybody else's submission. And then you get together as a group and one by one, everybody gets their submission critiqued. And then you go home, you write more, you submit and you repeat it again. So for me, I wouldn't be able to do that anymore because I write more than that in a week. And by the time my writing group caught up to me, like, It's it's too slow.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, when you are Charlie Holmberg, (laughs) or when you write as a career, a lot of times you don't have time to read the submissions of an entire group every single week.
0: That's true too.
1: So that can that can be unless your writer's
0: group is slowly falling apart, in which case only one or two people are submitting anyway.
1: I believe all critique groups are always in the process of slowly falling apart. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. I believe I said in the first episode, I talked about my initial critique group. I kind of went through, yeah, no, I just had the one group and it was when I was newer. And yeah, I would totally give those guys credit for where I am right now mm-hmm. among, you know, critique partners I've had since for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you learn, I mean, I think the rule of thumb with any critique group is you have to take all the advice with a grain of salt. If you try to make everybody happy, whether it's everyone in your writing group or every reader or what be it, like your your book will never be good. We all know the story about the man and the donkey. If not, email me and I'll tell you what it is.
1: (laughs) I do not know the story of the man and the
0: donkey. You don't know that? It's like the parable, like this man and the son were going to go sell the donkey in the market. And so the man rode the donkey and the son walked alongside and they passed through a town and they're like... Look at that man. He's so selfish. He's making that poor little boy walk on his own. And so so after that, that town, they switched. He put the boy on the donkey and he walked. And then they go through the next town and he's like, why is that guy walking by the do- donkey when they both could ride? The donkey's obviously big enough. So after that town, they both got on the donkey and they go through another town. And it's like, it, it keeps changing. So I think the next one is, oh, that poor donkey. They're just weighing that poor donkey down. And so they both get off the donkey and, like, they just change it every... The moral of the story is, by the time they get to where they're going to sell the donkey, it's dead. But, (laughs) like, they just keep changing how they're walking this donkey, depending on what other people think. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, they got nothing out of it. In fact, they lost. I That's the story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's actually an excellent, excellent uh, analogy for what it can be like to be in a critique group or to have uh, people critiquing your work in general because you have to remember that taste is subjective and every different person who reads your stuff is going to have different opinions on Mm -hmm. what you could change to make it better. And there is also a saying that goes, if somebody tells you, this is about writing specifically, if somebody tells you you have a problem, they're correct. But if they tell you, try to tell you how to fix it, they're wrong.
0: Yes. And that's something, especially with where we can get into like writing critique etiquette, yes. right? So you have uh, descriptive and prescriptive. And this is something we learned in that fancy editing minor of mine, where descriptive comments, you could say, this character isn't working for me, or I got pulled out of the story here. or I just can't picture the setting. Whereas prescriptive is you need to do specifically this with your character. You need to do specifically this with your setting. You need to change this in this specific way. So one is saying, this is where I got lost or this is what I don't understand and it needs to be fixed. Where one is saying, you need to change your story according to what I think it should be. And the latter, you should not do unless you are specifically asked. Because like there have been times where I'm like, well, what would you do right here? Mm -hmm. You know, but generally in a writing group, people, they don't want to hear your prescriptive comments. They want to hear the descriptive ones.
1: Right. Well, and you're always going to have – in a group of new writers, there's always going to be that guy or that girl (laughs) who is like, listen, I know everything about writing. And you have to do what I say or your book is bad. And they'll tell you how to write. And if you don't do it how they tell you to – they are going to think that you're wrong. And a lot of times these people might be – might seem to know what they're talking about or – I don't know. I just – there there are no hard and fast rules in writing. This is something I've learned. You learn the rules so you know how to kind of move around them a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, we should give names to these people because, like, I totally know what you mean. And sometimes they're good writers and sometimes they're terrible. Yeah, sometimes –
1: very- Yeah. Because, well, yeah, they're either going to be the person in your group who seems to have the highest status. Maybe they've been published, but, like, maybe their stuff's not that good. Or they're going to be, like, somebody that is, like, really, really bad at
0: writing. And then you also have the defensive writer. Uh-huh. So, writing group etiquette. If you are the one being critiqued, shut your mouth. Don't talk. Unless somebody directly asks you a question until they're done critiquing, then you can ask your questions but don't talk. If someone says, I just didn't understand the characterization here and they butt in and they go, obviously they're trying to atone for the thing they did in the last chapter. I can't believe you didn't say that. They talk like that too. That's how you can identify them. (laughs) You know, they get, like anytime you're in a writing group, that needs to be a rule. I have been in writing groups, say for conferences before where I'm heading up a writing group and I have specifically had to look at someone and say, you need to stop talking. Because they'll just talk, 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 like, no, stop talking and just listen.
1: Yeah, if you are being critiqued, you need to just, just listen. Because, and the thing is, too, if you have to explain your writing, then there's still a problem. You're not going to be able to go and sit next to the people, next to every single person reading your book and explain it to them. And so if it's a problem, and this is the also the benefit of writing groups that I think are really good for good baby writers, new writers, is that you can, when, when one person is telling you there's a problem, you can look around your group and kind of take the temperature of everybody in the group. Or, I mean, somebody else in the group might be able to speak up and say, oh, I didn't have a problem with that. In fact, I really liked it. And then you're going to get a much clearer idea of whether or not this person's critique is one you should listen to when it comes to that particular thing. Or, you know, if if the group is half and half, you know, you've got something very divisive. But if you if it's just this one person who's like, oh, I hated this, but literally everybody else in the group is like, I love it. That is one of the big benefits of writing groups rather than just a single critique partner. And
0: it's a very democratic process. So sometimes someone will say something they don't like, and I will disagree with them, usually internally. <laughs> but if other people also say they dislike that thing, I have to stop and reevaluate what that thing is and sometimes it's not even directly what they say they might say oh this character isn't working for me in this chapter and you might think i have to fix that chapter but when you go back and look at it it's like oh i totally dropped the character's arc two chapters ago and that's what's not working you know you have to stop and look at it and listen and sometimes this is the charlie method if someone is saying something that you know is real dumb you just move your pen like you're writing down notes. Oh, my gosh. you're <laughs> not. Or you can use a code where you write down a note. Like if they can see what you're doing, you write down a note. but You put a little symbol at the end of it so you know that that is not something you should
1: That's not advice you're going to take. You will I...
0: always get bad advice in writing groups. You will always get good advice and you will always get bad advice.
1: Yes. Here's what you should know about writing communities. There are a lot of people in them who do not know what they are talking about. so as you as you go along in your writing journey please be careful who you listen to
0: (laughs) i think now is a perfect time for me to tell you my awkward writing group story
1: (laughs) yes do it
0: so i from what i can remember i think i've been in three writing groups like officially no four i've been four writing groups in my life so the third one was a group that i was in when i lived in moscow idaho and they were a writing group that met at Denny's once a week. There was this little room with a table and you'd go in, you would order your dinner and then we would write. And it was like me and like one other person was under 70, <laughs> which is nothing about old people. I have nothing against old people, but like, I don't know. It seems like they have less of a filter. <laughs> so I'm going to this group and there's a woman who's submitting, I think it was a mystery novel. And you know, we would be like, oh yeah, like critique, 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 critique. And then she would submit the next thing which didn't have any of the changes in it. It would be critique, 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 critique. I don't know if she just had the whole thing written already and then just gave us a chunk and didn't want to go back and revise it. Hmm. But one time this guy, I don't know if he, I would call him the leader. He's like, all right. And he leans back in his chair, puts his reading glasses on and pulls out this paper. Cause he wrote his critique down in a letter and just read it from top to bottom oh dear but it was not just critiquing the book it was expressing all of his frustrations for this poor like 75 year old woman saying like you never listen to what we say and you never fix it your writing is garbage and you do like make it better and i was just like frozen there and it's like you know it's one of those things where you wish you could go back in time like more of a spine now than i did then this was like 10 years ago and I would have just said, dude, knock it off. Like, stop, please. Yeah. But I didn't. I just sat there frozen while this woman is crying next to me.
1: Oh, my gosh. Getting
0: this cruel critique and everyone was so awkward about it. And I was just like, oh, I, I didn't go back to that writing. I <laughs> that would not.
1: Terrible. I would not have either. Well, and you will find, generally speaking, there are, yeah, these, a lot of these bad writers are going to assume that they have some kind of authority and they're going to tell you like they know. And they don't. Um, it's fine. I'm sorry for that lady. I have never had an experience like that. My critique, my writing critique groups, I met them all at writing conferences. So it, because this is Utah and pretty much everybody in Utah who goes to writers conferences are married ladies between the ages of Seriously? 20 and 30. 50 or whatever I don't know, just yeah. like married mormon ladies yeah we were usually pretty chill the most aggressive critique i ever got was somebody who was like i just want to punch your main character in the face <laughs> i was so shocked i mean i i love that girl and she was correct um because once then the book was published that is what a lot of people said about my main character oh, but man. <laughs> don't read those yeah it's fine
0: let me tell you the worst critique partners are are angry readers <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um,
1: they're not your partner. So going
0: back to critique etiquette, though. So when you're the one being critiqued, shut your trap. Okay. Yes. If somebody is saying something that you disagree with, like try to speak up. I know sometimes you don't want confrontation and you don't want attention on yourself. But if somebody is getting a critique that you disagree with, it's really important that you say something, especially because sometimes the person being critiqued won't be able to tell if that's bad advice or good advice. And your input is really important. Mm -hmm. another thing with etiquette is you always say the good things first if you just dive right in and say your character didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work it really is just not good for the psyche you always say what you like first and I've, I think we've all been in a situation where we read something and we hate everything, but you have, you have to find things you'd like about it. And you have to say the things you liked first You say, I really liked this joke that you had, or I really liked your dialogue in this. I really like the setting. I felt like I was transported or the magic system is great. Assuming it's fantasy because that's the best, but you say what you like first.
1: Yeah. And I think that's important, especially, I mean, you will get to know the people you're critiquing, but especially if you're critiquing for strangers, our friend, our friend Kim, who's fantastic and was heavily influential on me getting published. She has this thing called, well, she uses, I don't know if it's her concept, but it's what she always does, the sandwich. So it's, it's the good thing of oh, the yeah. critique. And then another good thing, because she's so freaking nice.
0: And she's so, so freaking Canadian. Yes. <laughs> she has to be so nice. Yeah, Kim, Kimism. is Kim. But yeah, and then you start from big level things down to small level things. So big level things are like the overarching things, plot, character, setting. So I couldn't picture the room that they were in. Could, like, you should probably describe it. Or mm-hmm. I, I wasn't siding with your character here. I was actually siding with the person they're arguing with, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then usually second level things are like smaller things, like um, you said the clock was on the right wall in this scene. and the last scene, you said it was on the left wall. So that's like a second level critique, like inconsistency. Sometimes I would say line editing or just like this paragraph is all one sentence. <laughs> maybe <laughs> break it up. And then the small level things would be things like this is a typo or you miss like misspellings, copy editing errors, maybe some some sentence level things.
1: Yeah. Missing word, like an extra word. Yeah, I I don't know that I'm super familiar with that idea of levels of critique, but I think that that's very helpful. Yeah. I just critique everything as mm-hmm. Charlie knows.
0: And like and that's kind of my rule thumb too, like if you're reading something from somebody and you just hate all of it, I would honestly just keep to the large things because yeah. first of all, somebody who hasn't mastered plot setting and character doesn't need to worry about, like, their syntax and stuff. They need to worry about getting those things right. And if you go through everything, it really is just going to feel like you're bulldozing the person. Oh,
1: yeah. It gets rough. It gets really rough.
0: Yeah. So it's like, if you hate everything, pick your top three. Yeah. And and say it nicely, obviously. I mean, you think you shouldn't have to tell someone, like, critique using kind words. But yeah. sometimes you got to hear it.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, that that treat others how you'd want to be treated. And, and nobody is a perfect writer. A perfect writer does not exist. You're not a perfect writer. Nobody in your critique group is a perfect writer. So don't come at them like you have some kind of authority. And don't, you know, don't get overwhelmed if people come at you because they don't either. Yeah. So let's talk about then. Let's talk about where people can find critique partners.
0: I can talk about where I've got a lot of mine. Right. Yeah. So I mentioned, I think, in our first episode that I joined the science fiction fantasy club at BYU called Quark. And -hmm. that's where I got my very first writing group. So I found them there. And, oh, that's something else we should say about writing groups, though. You want people in your writing group who read the genre that you write. If at all possible, yeah. Yeah, I write fantasy, for example. And if I'm in a group of all people who write, uh, I don't know, spiritual memoirs, they might not like my that's not fantasy. Even,
1: that's not even fiction. So definitely yeah. I would say separate yourself by fiction and nonfiction.
0: Because a lot of times people will give you critiques that actually aren't relevant because they don't read your genre and they don't understand the nuances of the genre. Right. So I'm not saying that somebody who writes contemporary fiction could not be a good critique partner for somebody who writes epic fantasy. Hmm. But if they are familiar with your genre, that makes them a better critique partner.
1: Right. And because somebody who's familiar with your genre, I mean, not only are they going to be familiar with the stylistic conventions of your genre, how the books are written and in what language they are usually written, they're also going to be familiar with the tropes of your genre. So if you are falling into a trap of being like way too tropey, you're relying too much on old ideas that have appeared in too many other books, they can call you out on that if they know what they are. But if they don't, they might miss that stuff.
0: Or like when you're querying and you want comparison titles for your book, they can help you figure out what (laughs) books are similar to mine. And I can stick that in a query letter. Yes. Um, So one of my best critique partners that I had, her name is Juliana Branch. She is a middle grade fantasy writer. I actually found on Twitter and I think we were following each other just because we were both unpublished authors in that writing sphere. And so when I was working on my book, Followed by Frost, this is it's my fourth published book, but I actually wrote it before my debut series. I had a lot of people asking to see it and then I would get rejected and I couldn't figure out why. So I just said on Twitter, is there anybody who'd be willing to read this book for me because I can't figure out why it's not working? And she offered. And she read the book and she figured it out. She's like, there's no emotion in your novel, which I couldn't see. And she actually ended up being my number one critique partner for several years. Yeah. And so I just found her on Twitter.
1: Yeah. And of course, this works best if you follow a lot of other aspiring authors mm-hmm. and you're in that community. So, yes, yeah.
0: yeah. Being part of the community, it's everywhere. It's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook. If you do Nano NaNoWriMo in November, there's going to be a local NaNo chapter. It'll probably be at a library near your house. You never know.
1: Yes. The one that I went to for a couple of years met in the basement of the local gaming shop.
0: Yeah. Oh, what's that shop called? I know what shop you're talking about, too. Dragon's Keep. Dragon's Keep. Yeah. Yeah. That's another great way to find critique partners is by doing Nanorimo. Yes. Uh, if you don't know what Nanorimo is, I believe it's Nanorimo.org, the website. It's National Novel Writing Month and it takes place in November.
1: Yeah, if you Google National Novel Writing Month, you will absolutely You'll find, find it. it. Yeah. And
0: even if you don't meet people in person, you can look up the hashtag Nanorimo on any social media platform and find so many posts about it.
1: Yeah, and on their website, I believe you can actually add people to be your writing buddies, which is helpful with accountability, which is not what this episode is about, but we'll talk about it some other time.
0: (laughs) Um, Another one we've talked about, if you take writing classes, there are, I think, even junior highs that offer writing classes. Mm -hmm. There are high schools. There are colleges. Writing conferences have writing classes. I think sometimes libraries even offer writing classes, and just look at who you're sitting by. Yeah. You know. Well
1: and we should say actually I want to say about, you know, schools. For for people who are younger, if you're looking look around at your school, there may be a writing club. There may be I know my high school had a literary magazine, colleges have literary magazines. But yeah, look around for clubs for people who are interested in the same kind of stuff you are and you may yeah. find some.
0: Especially if you like, don't have the bandwidth to take a creative writing class. There are clubs mm-hmm.
1: yeah. everywhere.
0: Um, writing Facebook groups. There are Facebook groups that are just dedicated to writing. So if you just search it
1: on Mm -hmm. Facebook,
0: you can probably find groups that way.
1: Yeah, Facebook groups you can find for any aspect of publishing you're interested in. There are so many.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you have any others?
1: Yeah, you can actually find critique partners online. When I very first started before I went to writing conferences and actually met people, which I would say is better. And by far, by far and away, my preferred method is to go to writing conferences. And because you kind of meet people organically, when I, oh, the thing about going to them, though, is you have to specifically sign up for critique groups. So the first one I ever went to writing for charity in 2012, I signed up to have my pages read in a group, in a small group with who that was headed up by an author. And there were a few other people in the group. And like I have said before, that formed the core of my very first writing group. They knew some other people, and that was my first writing group. When I went to Storymakers, they had Thursday workshops. So on Thursdays, you could, you know, pay a little bit of extra money, but you got to go in and for three hours or six hours, depending on what you signed up for, you got to be with another with a small group, again, headed up by a published author or an agented author, and they would critique you. And you spend – when you spend – hours with these people, you'll know who you click with. And my very first one at Storymakers, I was in a group with the lovely Jenny Proctor, who writes clean romance. She's a really fun person and good author. And she introduced me to our friend Kim that we mentioned earlier. And Kim was definitely central for me. Kim taught me how to query, you know. So it's all about making those connections in person for me. But... Mm-hmm.
0: Actually, what's funny is when uh, Caitlin was the author heading up one of these groups, I uh, crashed her writing group and just sat there to make peanut gallery comments as I do. And that's actually how I met one of my current critique partners. Yes. She was sitting next to me and I recognized her last name because I happened to have taken a Japanese class with her husband. <laughs> and now she reads for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that where you're going to take from this is maybe, you know, once once all these COVID restrictions are lifted, get out there. But yeah. if you prefer, if you absolutely cannot, um, yeah, there are websites. So there, the website that I used to use, which I don't even know if it's still active or good, but it's called Scrabafile.com. And you could post things and people could critique and you could critique other people. A lot of authors actually will host critique partner matchups out of their, like, blogs or off their websites. So... If you look around on the internet, you can sometimes find those. I would search critique partner matchup on Google; is a good search term. I also, as I was looking around to to get updated information for 2021, since I haven't had to look online for a critique partner for a few years, there's now this website called CritiqueMatch.com. I have not used it; it looked interesting, and the only reason I am Talking about it now because I usually don't recommend I I'm not necessarily saying I recommend it, I'm telling you guys it exists. You can check it out. And it was named by Writers Writers Digest is one of their top 101 websites of 2020 or something like that. So it has a little writer's digest like seal on it. So it should be legit. But yeah, you yeah. guys could check that out. Yeah. So so
0: something I do want to touch on, because I mentioned earlier I don't do writing groups anymore. They just don't work for, for my method of writing. So, I do want to talk about what I use because I don't write in a box, even though now I'm published. Yeah. So, I use alpha and beta readers. I got this from Brandon Sanderson. So, my alpha and my beta readers are two separate groups of people. My alpha readers are people who are also authors. So Caitlin is one of my alpha readers. Uh, Trisha Levenseller is one of my alpha readers. Name drop, name drop, name drop. Uh, Actually, on my last book, I had Jeff Wheeler read (laughs) her. Name drop, name drop. So there are other writers. And usually I don't pay them. I just also read for them. But little do they know that I I have the bigger end of the stick. (laughs) Because I'm just like, here's another book.
1: Yeah, here's another book. Here's another book. Here's another book. Here's another book.
0: (laughs) I have no other hobbies. I I write my rough draft and I just send it to these guys and they know I don't want line edits. I don't want copy edits. They just tell me the big things and then I make all those edits and then I send it to my second group, the beta readers. And these are friends of mine who are just readers. Uh, Two of them I met in an editing class, actually, or just, you know, people I pick up along the way who are willing to read my book. One's an old roommate of mine. And I send it to them and they will then pick out the smaller things. They'll find inconsistencies or they'll find typos and copy editing errors and send it back to me. Actually, I have a book. It's called The Hanging City. It's not out yet. And it's got a character in there who happens to be a civil engineer. And my old roommate majored in civil engineering. And so her beta feedback on that was so She's like, actually, the metal pole would be this. And Every book I send her, she's like, it's not cement, it's concrete. (laughs) You know, and like, you'll get, it's surprising the feedback you get. It's like, oh, I never thought I'd be called out on my use of building materials, but you are.
1: I feel like there are many things that before you publish, you do not realize that you will be called out on. Like, Mm I don't know if this is too sensitive to bring up, Charlie, but like the existence of gophers.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, let me tell you, no, the biggest complaint i get from readers who will just email me to tell me this is that in book three of my paper magician series which takes place in england-ish we'll say ish the main character trips over a gopher hole that's the only mention of it but i get so many emails from people saying gophers don't live in england rabbits live in england and it's like jeez if only i had a critique partner who do that oh my goodness you know and then but that also brings up Sometimes you do want a specialist to read your book. So in my Numina series, my, one of my main characters worked at a gun factory and I had somebody who was very familiar with firearms read. I didn't send them the whole book. I sent them the scenes that mm-hmm. had that mm-hmm. and I had him read it to see if I was getting it right. Yeah. You know, if I have questions, I ask that. I've I've gone to the local high school to have a wrestling coach tell me what I'm getting right and what I'm getting wrong. I have an ER doctor on my on speed dial and he fixes every time I have an injury I actually had to fix the injury in magic Bitter, magic suite based on his recommendations mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and I don't use knocking people out as a time lapse anymore because of stuff that he's told me so sometimes it's not even writers or readers sometimes you just need an expert to look at something
1: yeah I totally agree with that and and that kind of gets you also into the whole area of sensitivity readers mm-hmm which if you are writing the experience of someone outside yourself, you know, uh, somebody who is a different race than you or a different sexual orientation than you or um, religion, religion, disability, you know, any of those things, it is good to, especially if you are, if your story is, is kind of about that or heavily relies on that, you definitely need to get a firsthand perspective or multiple per- firsthand perspectives if you can. And they're um,
0: easy to find now. Like a few years ago, it was hard to find sensitivity readers, but that's a big thing now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not hard to find them. You know, I'll go ahead and plug this for our friend Kim. Mm-hmm. There's a, a company called Salt and Sage Books that has a ton of sensitivity readers in their repertoire. Yeah, so they're an editing.
1: They're in a group. They're editors. They're an editing company. I don't know if that's how you would say it. But yeah, they're editors. And, yeah, and you can hire them, and I have a bunch of our friends work for them. Well, is there anything else we want to talk about as far as critique partners go?
0: Honestly, I feel like we covered it. Yeah. Oh, here's – let me just tell you this rule of thumb. And I'm not trying to say this as a prideful author, but don't ask published authors to read your book for you.
1: Oh, yeah. They usually
0: will not have time to do it. Mm -hmm. We are always very, very flattered when we are asked because that means the person holds our opinion very highly. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, published authors are almost always on deadline. They have other things to do and they have their own set of critique partners. It's very, very rare that they will have time to read for you. Though a lot of published authors will offer manuscript critiques, like manuscript evaluations, but you do have to pay for those.
1: Correct. Yeah, that's... Really, I'm. I'm actually glad that you brought that up. I, it's never happened to me, but I know it happens to you, and I know it happens to a lot of published writers.
0: It makes us feel awkward. We feel bad when we have to say no.
1: Right. Know. Look for people who are. Look for people who are. You know, kind of more. Gosh, I don't even know what I'm trying to we're say. Where
0: People who match where you are in your writing journey. So yes. if you were just starting out, you know, it's okay to have some new people as your critique partner. If you're somebody who's just like on that cusp of the fence and we're almost getting over, you know, find find those people who can help you. Because even before I got published, there was a point where I wouldn't learn very much from very new writers. And I wanted to find more intermediate writers to help mm-hmm. me out. And then now I'm at a point where I I like having really experienced writers critique for me. And it generally works out because they also want me as an experienced writer to critique for them.
1: Right. And you'll find that as you progress, you will naturally kind of find critique partners who are on your skill level. If your skill level is growing, you will find more skilled critique partners. And they will want to read your stuff because it will be good and they'll want your feedback because they think you're good. Mm-hmm. So that is a very natural progression that will happen, especially if you are putting yourself out there, you know, online or at, at conferences.
0: And your ability to give good critique goes up and your ability to recognize bad critique will also be honed.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Passive sentence.
1: <laughs> How dare you? Not a real author. <laughs> Uh, I think that's what we've got for critique partners. I hope that was helpful.
0: Yeah, so go out there, find your critique partners. If you have bad critique partners, dump them. Find find a nice way to do it, even if you have to take them to Denny's and read them a laundry list of everything they do wrong.
1: (laughs) That is not a nice way to do it.
0: (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but if you did like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. We do update every Tuesday, and we will take questions at yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com. I am Charlie N. Holmberg. You can find me at charlienholmberg.com. I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram, at C. N. holmberg.
1: And I'm Caitlin McFarland. I am at Caitlin McFarland Author on Facebook and at Words and Geekery on Instagram and at CaitlinMcFarland.com. That's all. No whistling into the microphone. <laughs> Bye, you guys. <laughs>